the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Titus 1 verse 16, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. It was a quite a sunny Saturday morning, and uh, we had a buyer coming. So my brother and I had the job of cleaning the old Fords in. Uh, my dad was selling his oldest tractor that had broken in a bit of swampland, and it was time for it to go. And we tidied it all up, and uh, he put a run-on ad in the Waikato Times, Waikato Times, and my brother really wanted to keep the, uh, the sort of fancy modified exhaust system that it had on it and swap it out for an old original one. <laughs> and Dad said, whatever you do, you do it now. But the moment a buyer's seen it, then that's it. Don't touch it. It's not ours anymore if he buys it. <laughs> on another occasion, my lesson in integrity extended to Dad getting a docket out of the car for a bag of baling twine that we'd bought on the way to Tiamutu. Uh, we drove south for what seemed ages to the middle of nowhere to collect an old shearing plant that Dad had bought secondhand at an auction, which he seemed to do quite often. He was old school. He was, he was part of the pioneering generation. He saved bent nails <laughs> and every offcut <laughs> and bought things second hand. It's how the West was won. <laughs> but arriving at the vendor's wool shed, uh, shearing shed, uh, ahead of the owner, uh, Dad noticed the shed was full of baling twine. Bags and bags of baling twine. This guy was a contractor. And it was the same as the one that was on our trailer. So when he arrived, he asked the seller, uh, how much do you pay for your baling twine? And he pulled out the docket and he leaned over to show him. And uh, as a kid, I thought, that's weird. Who cares? <laughs> but later, Dad explained, we know we paid for that one bag of baling twine. But I wanted him to know that we'd paid for that bag of bailing twine. My dad lived by the saying, it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation and a moment to destroy it. Dad was an elder and he took it seriously. His faith affected every business deal. It affected how he treated staff, how he loved his family, how he loved the church. And he treated everyone with the same respect from a, a tough shearer, a hard, hard man in the street, to an angry ratepayer, to the Queen. Yes, Dad met the Queen of England twice as chairman of the Waikato County Council. In contrast, integrity was in real short supply on the island of Crete 
in Paul's time. It was full of dodgy characters living for themselves in a dog-eat-dog mentality. Full of liars, cheats, and outlaws, this outpost of Greece would have been a tough assignment for the most hardened missionary. And despite this, Paul left his young apprentice, Titus, in Crete to sort out the churches that he himself had planted there. Wow, what a tough gig. Titus was actually from a pagan background and didn't really need quite the same jollying along as Timothy in Ephesus. First and second Timothy and Titus are often referred to as the pastoral letters of Paul, and yet neither of these young men were really strictly pastors. Rather than sort of shepherding a settled church, their role was more aptly power evangelists or kind of troubleshooters, really. Anyway, Paul had faith in them, and he left Titus in Crete. In December, I really strongly felt or sensed that we were to unpack Titus, the book of Titus, the letter to Titus, after our lovely few weeks we've had in Psalms, which have been wonderful, haven't they? But I just really felt we were going to look at Titus. And I guess, you know, it's, it's a, I think, a good thing. To, to look at these letters that Paul wrote to the intimate followers of his. But I actually find that it's very timely that we're looking at it right now. So bear with me. Uh, yeah. I, I believe verse 16 that I read at the start to be key to this whole chapter. They profess to know God, but by their deeds... They deny him. See, Titus' job description was to find solid, consistent elders and build team. Paul knew this, and he knew this was 101 to sorting out the church, the community, and in fact, this whole island of Crete. Paul's vision was much bigger than the church, but it had to start in the church or within the church. This recipe was God's answer for transformation. He needed a tough servant for a tough place. And Titus needed a strong team. And as with Timothy, sorry, uh, Paul's list of character qualities for leadership in Titus 1 mirror that of 1 Timothy chapter 3. He gave both young men the same kind of list. And you could almost say that the, the fruit of the Spirit in these men was more important to Paul than the gifts of the Spirit, uh, if we look through this list. It's the fruit of their lives, how they handle their families, how, they, you know, how they're respected in the community. The fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22, is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things the Spirit brings into a surrendered life, aren't they? 
The other day we celebrated Sasha's first birthday at Aaron and Amy's place. Amy had a painted white wooden tree on her table and she'd hung sweets on the branches of this dead tree. <laughs> and I was reminded as I saw the kids sort of ripping off the, the sweets off this, you know, look-alike tree, that um, gifts can be hung on a dead tree, but it's only a live tree that can produce fruit. So it is with us. It's, this, it's only the Spirit of God in us that allows us to produce fresh fruit of the Spirit. But even if we're a bit dry inside, we can still wear gifts of the Spirit on the outside. Paul's list goes further than the fruit of the Spirit, and so this is my challenge today. Are we recognizable as followers of Jesus in the community? Paul tells Titus in verses 6 to 8, to look for those whose lives are above reproach and who are not quick-tempered, greedy, or addicted to wine, he goes further and says he must be the husband of one wife, have children who believe, and not be accused of dissipation or rebellion. Big word. Uh, dissipation really means to disperse, but it actually means to basically yeah, cause harm. But hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-control. This is quite a list, isn't it? Paul wanted these guys to be the exception in order to do the exceptional things in an evil society. Do people recognize us as having been with Jesus? It was a big task, wasn't it? Let's hear about it from, from Titus 1. Jenny's going to read the whole chapter. So let's get our Bibles straight after Timothy. Read Titus. Murray said, would I read it from his Bible? And I think it's the finest print Bible in the house. <laughs> it's all right. Chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness and the hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Saviour to Titus, my true child, and a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, 
and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not, a paying, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. So task number one was to pick the right leadership. You remember that cruel game when we were kids? The two best rugby players in the school would then pick the next best rugby player. And the other one would pick the second best, and then the third best, then the fourth best. And you were the guy that was sort of waiting, 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 or girl, until the very last minute. <laughs> and you'd sort of join that team, you know, and they only wanted you kind of under, under duress. This command to choose the right leadership team was really, had to be the Holy Spirit's work. And Titus had spent long enough with Paul to know the Spirit and to pray into this choosing of his team. Task number two was to refute those, according to Scripture, was to refute those who contradict sound doctrine, i.e. silence those preventing the gospel from being front and center and the main thing, the main thing. I loved what Andy said earlier, you know, just he brought that scripture and, um, and Elliot and, and the whole thing's just tied in that really the main thing, we want to keep the main thing the main thing, eh? And just know that we've got a, a job to do to reach this world by various means and ways. Maybe our methods need to be updated, but the message stays the same. Number three was to silence those with wrong motives who were upsetting whole families. We don't know what they were doing from the scripture, but the, the, Paul uses the word repugnant. Sounds like a breed of dog, doesn't it, or something, but repugnant actually means wanting to start a fight. Repugnant means willing to start a fight. Pugnacious, yeah, is wanting to start, start a, you know, get into it, you know, start a fight. I knew someone like that. He's now born again, praise God, and he loves God. These titan tasks uh, are still relevant today, aren't they? They're not difficult. They're actually impossible in our own strength. But Paul says elsewhere, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Have you claimed that promise this week? What about this year? Have you claimed that promise that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? 
whatever your trial, battle, mountain is, have you asked his help? Through Christ, I'll get this. I'm all over this. Let's write it on our hearts and fridge doors as we hit our straps in 2023. The key for Titus and for us is what's within us. The purity that Paul talks about in verse 15 is internal, in our heart and in our mind. Leaders need to keep a soft heart but grow thick skin. Paul says to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. You see, we gain a new heart at salvation. But the Bible says it needs to be guarded. Guard your heart with all diligence, in Proverbs it says. Guard it from bitterness. Guard it from getting offended. Guard it from getting hurt, even by friends. The best way to guard our heart is actually to feed our spirit a steady diet of God's word. Every new day we need the word of life, God's words of life in us to counter negative words, you know. We need the word of God to kick out those negative words. The world throws at us. But the real battleground, hear hear me on this, the real battleground is actually our mind. Hearts can be changed, but it's, it's a lifetime of, of battleground in our mind. Only when we march negative thoughts, envies, strifes, and temptations into captivity, and we sort of have to do army duty around these thoughts and march them off to captivity, can we impact those around us with a purity that changes lives. I'm going to read 2 Timothy uh, 10, verse 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So we have a full-time job, really, just rounding up those thoughts and sending them to a jail somewhere in the background there, with God's help. And, and, and Paul says there, and taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. That's the key. We do it in obedience, and he gives strength to obey. Once we surrender our thought life to the Lord with help from the Holy Spirit, we can enter that purity that comes from Christ. In fact, it's not our purity at all. It's his purity. We can't claim it or manufacture it. He's won it for us on the cross. You see, when he looks at us, he sees Christ's righteous robe covering us. So we owe so much to Christ, don't we? Like Titus... By grace we've been saved through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's a free gift of God, according to Ephesians 2 verse 8. Paul urges Titus to win over these rebels in Crete by a consistent lifestyle, 
to this profession of faith in Christ, verse 16. So if we're going to confess Christ, we need a consistent lifestyle. Amen? Along with a few other things. <laughs> that's our key verse, verse 16. And that's so important in our world today. He's saying to the church universal, match your words to your actions, people. Come on, people. Match your words to your actions. Let's not forget that two verses later in Ephesians 2 verse 12, it says, sorry, Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are his workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we are not saved by our works. We're saved to do good works. I'll say that again. We're not saved by works. We're saved for good works. So let's shine brighter as it gets a bit darker. How's your integrity at work? How's it working out in home, in your home? Have you kept your promises? Have you kept your word to your kids? Have you apologized to your kids when you're wrong? The way to change lives is to back up our words with our actions. Does it sound pretty difficult? It's not difficult. It's impossible without Christ. But with him, all things are possible. My encouragement is today, let's build team and a legacy of faith, integrity, and good works to reach others for Christ. Amen. Lord God, we've looked at your servant Titus today. Thank you for the example of Paul and the input of Paul into these young guys' lives that we learn from. His, uh, his, his brief was almost mission impossible, but it didn't self-destruct in five seconds. Thank you, Lord. We've still got it to look and, and study. And thank you, Lord, for what we can take out of this for this time in our life as a church, our lives as uh, people in, in every kind of occupation here as I look around. Lord, there is just so much potential to, to gain trust and to, to influence others. And I just pray that each of us would do that this week. We'd see an opportunity to share uh, a word in season and come alongside those who are suffering. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you.